That's a strong, strong song with a strong message, isn't it? I listen to that song oh every week about four, five, six, seven, eight times on my computer, just run it back. Run it back. Run it back. They say. They say, they say, they say. But God has a final say, does he not? We we serve a mighty God who has who is not uh, restricted to what this world tells him he can do. We believe. We believe. Uh, we'll be in Colossians today if you want to go back there as we are taking our deep dive into Colossians. It's a great, great book, I believe. Uh, a book that has a lot of good stuff for us. A book that was written by the Apostle Paul while he was sitting in a Roman jail. That's how, that's how good he is. I will tell you that the words of this book are divinely inspired. We're given to the writers of this book, and the pen and paper that was, they were using was divinely given. The ink that they had in that pen was divinely put down on paper, just the way the Holy Spirit directed them. To put her down. Before I get going here, let's uh, <laughs> let's have one more word of prayer, okay? One more. Father God, we just thank you for what you're going to do today. Father, we thank you that uh, that we are people that can believe in you, and that we can trust in you. And Father, we also know that there is nothing impossible for you. There is nothing too big for you. Father, you have the final say in all things. So, Father, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. And, God, I pray you would just speak through me today. Hide me behind your cross. Put your your words into my mouth. So as I deliver your message, Father, that it will bring you glory and honor. Thank you for these that have gathered in in this place this morning. In your name, Father, I pray. Amen. Galatians 1, we'll start here in verses 9 through 11, but just kind of just kind of just fill you in about what we talked about last week, kind of get a little perspective there. We talked about the pillars of the Christian life. And we said there's two of them there, that uh, one of them is faith, not faith in yourself, but faith in the person of Jesus Christ. That's where we get our strength. We also talked about a love, a love that we have for other people, but more than that, a special kind of love. For other believers. I mean, he is telling us we must love other believers. Well, now why can we ever do that? Well, we, we have a lot in common, did you know? If you have been born again, you are serving the same Lord and the same Savior. The Bible tells us we also have the same Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that we are to live a life that looks like Christ. And because of that, Paul would say that there should not ever be any division within the church of Colossae. There shouldn't be division in the church at Arapahoe or any other church of such that is preaching God's Word. And when we have this kind of hope and we have this love for each other and this faith for each other, excuse me, we have hope, do we not? And we talked about last week, which I think is interesting what hope is. Hope is not, according to God's Word, is not I hope so or maybe could be or I wish. It is that quiet, confident assurance that God will do what God says he will do. I mean, that's, is that not hope? 
that he is going to do exactly what he said he is going to do. And where do we find that information? We find all of that from God's Word. Today, we're going to look at a prayer. We're going to look at a prayer that Paul has, has prayed over this church of Colossae. Uh, we're going to look at this prayer, and this prayer has been prayed over you guys this week uh, many times. Uh, this prayer can be used as a prayer for uh, a general kind of a prayer, and we're going to look at that. And also this prayer has been prayed over you specifically by name. So as we look through this message today, uh, I want you to know that uh, this message is alive and well. And this prayer is alive and well. And this prayer has been taken to the throne room of grace uh, with your name attached to it. Okay? That's how much I believe in this prayer. All right, let's look at that. And, and let's look at, uh, we'll start in verse 9 there and, and see what he says. And, and he begins with with prayer. And he says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, your faith and your love, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with, and we'll, we'll get there in just a minute. Paul says, I have been praying consistently for you. I have been praying persistently for you and consistently for you. Paul says, you know, I've been praying for you, church. Uh, When I first heard that this church was being formed, and when I heard of your faith and your love for others, I continued to pray for you. I I, I didn't start praying for you, Paul would say, because of the heresy that was trying to get into your church. I've been praying for you all the time. And he says, I have not ceased to pray for you. And you see the word prayer in, in that first part of there where he says, I've not ceased to pray for you. He is, he is saying, I have generally, if you would, prayed for you. Father, would you protect that church? Father, would you lead and guide that church? Father, would you bless that church? And he's prayed generally, if you would, over that church. Just like I have prayed generally over this church this week. And then you see it says, I have asked for something. You see, we pray generally for people and intercede for people. But when you see the word ask there, that is more a specific kind of a prayer. That is a prayer that I am speaking, Paul would say, that is a topic, a need, a want, a desire, something that I, I want for these people in this church. Uh, it is a specific kind of thing. And I want them to know that, that uh, maybe I'm pray, praying for healing. Maybe I'm praying for a blessing. Maybe I'm praying specifically for something in the life of those people. But it is a specific kind of prayer focused on something. And I believe Paul is reminding us that is the way we as Christians ought to be praying for people. And praying for this church. That we generally pray for things, yes, but then, but then we see someone that has a, a need in our church. And do we just pray, God bless them, or do we say, God, would you provide X amount of things or whatever it is? Do we specifically get in detail when we take it to the Lord? And I believe that's what Paul is saying. Yeah, I can pray over the whole picture, but I want to be specific when I intercede for somebody, And that's exactly what he's doing here. And we're going to look at three things today, I hope pretty quick, of the three things that he specifically prayed 
over that church. Specifically, three things that you and I can pray over our church. And I hope that you will do that today, tomorrow, and the next day. And he's praying for these three things. And he's praying in verse 9. He says that you be filled with the knowledge of God's will. You'll be filled with the knowledge of God's will. We're going to hit that here in, in just a minute. The second thing that he's praying for these people specifically is that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That when they live their life, their life would reflect Christ's life to the world. And the third thing that he is praying specifically for that church is that they would, they would uh, gather in or grasp a hold the power that they needed to walk the Christian walk. Uh, strengthened with all power is what it says there. That they grab a hold of this power, the power that she sang about in that, in that song right there. And in order to in order to know God's will and do His will, and in order to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, we must be strengthened by God's power that He can give to us. And that's where the message is going to go today. That's the three points, I guess, if you would, of the three things He prayed for. And, and here again, I want to encourage you. Man, that is, if you're looking for something to pray over Arapahoe First Baptist Church and people, here are the three things that you can do. It, it will be amazing, I believe. The first thing that he says that I want you to be filled with is the knowledge of his will. The knowledge of God's will. Now, I know sometimes when when preachers talk about God's will, it's like, oh boy, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about, you mean God has a will for my life? And the answer is, yeah, he does. But how do I know it? And we talk about God's will, and, and I bet most of you, Somewhere in your life, you'll go, you know, I really wanted God's will, but it was just, it was too frustrating. I just don't know how to find it, God's will. And it's like we go down a a maze and we go in one direction in life and and the door seems to be closed. And what do we do? We turn around, we go a different direction and the door seems to be closed and we go a different direction. Ah, man, that's not it. I'm looking for God's will, but no, that door's closed too. And you you come back and and you decide, you know, Trying to find God's will is just so frustrating to me. That, you know, I'm just going to just do my thing. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to just do whatever I think is best. I might pray about it, but I'm going to do what I think is best. Because I just can't find God's will for my life. And what happens to people when, when they give up on that. And they give up on God's will is they all of a sudden now... As life continues on and they begin to live and live and live and they become self-sufficient. They become a little bit defeated. They become a little bit frustrated. And all of a sudden as they live their life out of God's will, they discover that there is no purpose in their life. You can never go right by not being in God's will. So today I'm going to show you a couple things about God's will. How can we find God's will? And really God's will... Uh, is very clear, very concise, very uncompromising. Because God's Word will tell us what His will is for our life. That will be the first part of God's will. And the second part is, I will tell you what you need to do. And if, if you're looking for a specific answer to a specific question, how do we find God's will? So that's where we're going to try to go today.
five things I want you to know about finding God's will. This is what God's word tells us about his will for your life and for my life. The first one, God's will for all of us is that you be saved. Boy, that's not rocket science, is it? I I knew that one. God's will for you and me is to be saved, to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. And that verse up there that we got, 2 Peter 3, 9, I don't know if you understand that, but that verse is in your bulletin every Sunday. (laughs) Did you know it? It's up at the top on the backside. That verse is there. And what is that verse? It says this, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness. But is patient towards all, not wishing that anyone should perish, but all, all people come to repentance. You see, God's word says what? I want every person on the face of the earth to make my son, Jesus, Lord and Savior. Because without Jesus in your life, without making him Lord and Savior, there is absolutely no way that you will ever know God's will for your life in any, any situation. It's impossible. So the first thing God tells us is, I, I, I want everybody to be saved. The second thing that he will tell us that for God's will for us is, I want you to be sanctified. That verse there, let's read that, First Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God. There you go, bang, how clear can that be? Your sanctification. Your sanctification. The word sanctification means what? To be set apart, to be holy, to be blessed, to live a different lifestyle than the world. To live a life that looks like Christ. That's, a, that's what sanctification means. To be different. It means that we are to, the things that we do and say much match up with what we believe. We must live a life that does not look like the world. See, when, when we got saved, you know this, and I've told you this before, but when we got saved, God gave something. He made us a new creation, didn't he not? And he gave us a new plan in life. And then the plan is life that is to follow God's will for your life. That we don't live a life that looks like the outside world. We live a life that looks like Christ. That's our plan for our life. We have a new passion, do we not? He's given us a new passion. And as, that is to love the Lord with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. And the second thing is that we love other people. We have a passion for the Lord when we got saved. The outside world doesn't know anything about that. He's given us a new purpose. A new purpose is to serve the Lord and to win the lost. That's our purpose. And we have a new priority. To seek ye first the kingdom of God. You see, when we got saved, all of those things happened in our lives. Which means, you see, Christian friend, our life is different because of who lives inside of us. Our life must look different than those in the outside world who do not know Christ. And he says, my will for you is to be sanctified, to set apart, to live a life that does not look like the world's. Because I have given you a new passion, a new purpose, new priority, and a new plan for your life. God's will says, I want you saved. God's will says, I want you sanctified. I want you living a life that does not look like the world's. 
The third thing that he would tell you that his will is for you, you and your life and my life too, is that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled, that's his word. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. It says, so then do not be foolish. <laughs> okay, don't be foolish. But understand the will of God is. And the will of God is do not get drunk with wine, for that's dis, dis, dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. God's will for you is that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like Jim was, was talking in Sunday school today, when we got saved, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And we have this Holy Spirit that's God dwelling in us, okay? And we are to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we, we lose our filling. Did you know that? Sometimes we lose the filling of the Holy, Holy Spirit still there. But we lose the filling of the Holy Spirit. And we lose the filling of the Holy Spirit by not being obedient to His Word. By not being obedient to His Word. When we're living our lives and we sin and we know we've sinned because the Holy Spirit has convicted us. And we choose not to clean that up. We choose not to confess. We don't seek God's forgiveness. And when we do that, when we live in disobedience to God's word, when we choose not to confess and repent and move away from that, then the Bible will tell us the Holy Spirit is no longer able to do the things that he wants to do in our lives. We have stopped and hindered the work of the Holy Spirit. And the only way that we can get back to being filled up, if you would, to get the tank topped off again, if you would, is to confess, repent, and move forward. See, the Holy Spirit wants to do a couple things in your life, hasn't he? He wants to give you love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. And he wants to produce those in us. But when we live a life away from the Lord... When we live a life of, of knowing that we are sinning and continue to sin and we care nothing about that, the Holy Spirit now has been quenched, has been stopped, has been grieved, and we cannot get the feeling and the power that the Holy Spirit wants to give to us. You see, God says, my will for you is I want you to be saved. I want you to be set apart. I want you to have the power of the Holy Spirit living within you so that you'll be able to be my witnesses in all of the world. The fourth thing he would tell us about God's will for us is that we do, do right and we stand uncompromisingly on his word. He didn't want us to be wishy-washy. He didn't want us to go, eh, oh, yeah, man. No. He wants us to know his truth and to stand and not be compromising on that. Second Peter 2.15 says it this way. For such is the will of God. There it is again. That by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Christians, we must stand against evil in our society. Christians, we must stand up for the gospel. Christian, we must stand for those who cannot stand for themselves. Specifically, that's the unborn. Christian, we must be thankful for what God has done and what God is doing and what God will do in the future. Christians, Romans 1.16 says, we, we are not ashamed of the gospel. See, we've got to stand on that, don't we? Christians, we have to be like Peter 
in Acts 5 and 29. And when they told Peter to, and the disciples to shut up, quit talking about that guy out there. He says, no, I, I, we, we got to obey God rather than men. You see, God, that's his will for us. Is that when we got saved and we got sanctified and we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, we've got to stand for His Word. We've got to stand for His Gospel. We've got to stand and let the world know who we are. And that is His children. And we have a message that you need. The fifth thing that I want to tell you about God's will, and it's not probably the one that we want to hear about. <laughs> But as Christians, God's will is that we will suffer for our faith. Oh, man, I wish you'd have left that one out, don't you? I just see, I did, let's just don't even go there, Lord. But he put it in there and said, that's God's will. If you're going to be a Christian, you will receive persecution. 1 Peter 4, 9 says this. Therefore also who suffer according to the will of God. Those who suffer for the will of God. This is great. Entrust their souls to a faithful creator doing what is right. You see, Peter's reminding and God's reminding us his will is we're going to suffer. We're going to come across because our lives are different. Our lives do not fit in the world's lives. Our lives are kind of crossways with them. Our lives are just not going to be what they want to be. And because of that, we will... Many times we'll face hostility and hardships and persecution. And if you look around the world today, what are we seeing in our world? We're seeing that from the Christian faith, aren't we? I mean, we've got a whole state, Utah, not, saying we're not letting this book into my, our school children's lives. Not going to be in our school, this book right here. I don't know about you, but that's persecution of God's word. And see, that's kind of where we're living today. We're seeing that. And, and Jesus said, and Peter and Paul would say that. He said, Christian, God's will is if you're making the stand that you're supposed to be making, then you are in opposition to this world and there will be persecution and hardship and hostility back at you. But he said, don't be afraid of that. Don't be surprised of that. Jesus says what? Uh, don't be surprised. I, I've conquered. I'm alive and well. I'm sitting on the throne. God's not uh, giving up his throne. And he said, just be encouraged, Christian, that if suffering comes, in a sense, that's a badge of honor. Because my disciples had to suffer. And you're no better, no different than them. That's God's will for our lives. And if you know, and I got to thinking about those. You, you take those and you wrap all of those up. What is it? What, and, you, and you put them in a nutshell. Where do, what, do you, what do you come up with right there? You see, God is telling my will is for you to be my children. And you can be empowered through the Holy Spirit. And when trials and temptations come and stuff in your life that doesn't seem to fit, guess what? I'll be there to empower you, to give you direction and guidance and strength and power to overcome what this old world is trying to get you to believe in. You see, God's objective, I believe is not to make sure that we have all the, all the wealth and all the money and all the pleasures of life and all the, the luxuries of life. Because, see, all that stuff one day will rot and rust and waste away. You see, God's will for us is that we become the Christian men and the Christian women 
that he's called us to be. Why? Because those things will last for eternity. Those things will never rot and rust and wear out, will they? Those things, he has, he has called us to be the, the men and women so that one day he says, I will reward you with an inheritance that I'm protecting by my power. And that inheritance will be a, a home in heaven forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. I believe God is more interested in us living the Christian faith here than living a life of luxury and good times here. And if it means to suffer for, for, for God, he, he said, that's fine. Because he said, you know what, Christian? You have entrusted your soul and entrusted your faith to the creator of this world who is bigger than everybody. That's what that verse said. Will of God, entrust your souls to a faithful creator. When, part, when persecution, hardships come. Aren't you glad God thinks more about your eternity than he really thinks about how's it going down here? Sure he does, and, and, he, and we know he does. But he wants us to be ready. See, down here, this is just a practice run for what's going to happen up there. We're just kind of getting, getting warmed up down here to what he's got for us up there. Sometimes he wants us to specifically know God's word. And this is where most of us want to know about. God, I've got this, I've got a question here, God. I, and, and we seek his will and, and we seek his will on say things like, you know, is this the guy or gal I should marry? Uh, is, is this what you want me to do with my life? Is this a job that you want me to do? Uh, God, do you want me to take a job somewhere else? Do you want me to change houses? God, do you want me to buy this car? God, do you want me to do this? God, do you want me to do that? God, do you want me to, to, to teach? you want me to... And, and I don't know about you, but I, I've dealt with this subject many times in my life. As I seek his wisdom. God, I, I would like to know, God, what is your will for me in this specific decision that I've got to make? How do we find that will? How do we find a way? And I'm not going to spend much time on it today. I'm, I'll elaborate on this later. But I'm going to give you four things. If you're looking for something that you're wanting God's wisdom for to know how to make a decision. I mean, he's already told us his will is to walk the Christian walk and to live it. Okay? And when we're doing that, we'll be able to experience his specific will easier than if we were away from him. Four things I want you to know right now, if you, if you want to know them. First thing that you need to know when you're looking for God's specific will, what does the Bible say about it? What does the Bible say about it? And that's, that's the first place you go. What does the Bible say about it? And it could, be, it could be a spouse, it could be a job, it could be a move, it could be, you just name it. Because you see, in this book, he's got the answers to life's questions. <laughs> so when we begin looking for, for we get in his word, I, I was looking for uh, a decision about uh, some uh, hard decision I had to make. And, and I just kept going to his word and going to his word and going to his word. And finally, about six months later, it, bingo, there it is. And this guy said, there it is. 
I go, okay, yeah, I get you. Guys. Second thing, what does God's word say? Second thing is, what is God telling you in prayer? When you take it to the Lord, God, I, I'm, is, is, this the, is this the guy I'm supposed to marry? Is this, is this the guy, girl I'm supposed to marry? Am I, am I supposed to, God, am I supposed to adopt or am I supposed to wait for natural childbirth? God, do I, do I, do I take this job that's uh, 120 miles away, move my family to a different place? Do I do, I do that, God? And as you seek the Lord and persistent in prayer, I promise you he will eventually tell you, give you the answer. And I can tell you that, that when, you, when you read it in his word and you pray about it, those two are all going to fit together, I promise you. They're all going to fit together. He's not gonna, you're not going to read one thing and he's going to tell you something different in prayer. not going to happen. He's going to put it together. Third thing that you can look at is life circumstances. What, what are the circumstances you're going through? And you need to look at God's circumstances to see what's going on and, 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 and how that's all fitting in. And he will, you'll look at that and, and uh, I mean, it's, do I really divorce that woman? <laughs> no, that's not, no, no, that's circumstances. The fourth thing that I would tell you to do is to seek godly counsel. Seek godly counsel. That's not... That's not Oprah. That's not Dr. Phil. That's not even the view. Okay? Not that. God the counsel says you go to somebody that is spending time in his word. That will give you a biblical viewpoint of what you might be looking for. Maybe somebody's not going to tell you the answer. That's not what I'm talking about. But somebody that will give you a godly perspective on what you to do. And when you do those four things, get in his word and you pray and you seek circumstances and then you go, go find somebody that will speak truth to you, I promise you when you get those four lined up, when they're all having the same answer, then you, I promise you, you can have confidence and boldness to know that you are most likely in God's will and you can proceed with confidence down that road. And when you do, what a blessing it will be because you know you've got the right answer. You see, that's what Paul was praying over this church and these people, that they will understand and know God's will in their life. Because without God's will, I mean, what are you doing? You're just kind of going flounder around and nothing's going to work. Nothing's going to work until you get a hold of God's will in your life. Second thing, Paul is praying for these people, these lovely people is in verse 10 where he says so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord worthy means to match up the things that you do matches what you say your outward appearance matches up with what your inner convictions are you are walking in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord You're living a life that brings honor to God with your life. It is living a life that says, I want to be more like Christ in the way I live my life. I want to be kind of speaking like him. I want to act like Christ. I want to react like Christ. I want to love. I want to forgive like Christ. My life is I want to model my Savior's life. And Paul would say, That is a life worthy of the Lord. 
when we do that. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. The things that we believe, our convictions, must show with our outward appearance and our outward actions. It's being fruitful in every work that we do. Walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. It's having a passion and a, a passion for the things of God. Walking worthy. It is using the power that God has given to us. Joyfully endure. Patiently persevere through time and trials. And walking a thankful life. A life of attitude with gratitude. So, I mean, don't you think that that's what Paul was speaking about? Don't you think that's what he wants you and I to do? To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? That when people see the way we walk and the way we live and the way we progress in life, that it's pleasing to the Lord? That is Paul's prayer for these people. That is my prayer for you that you do that. The Bible tells us that when you walk in the light of the Lord and when we love others, and we walk worthy. The Bible tells us that the world will know that you are my disciples. <laughs> okay? By the way you love. By the way you live. It is possible to know God's will. Did you know that? He's given it to us. It is possible to live a life worthy of the Lord. Possible. Because he tells us why in that next verse. It's not from our own strength, our own ability, our own goodness. But in verse 11, it says this. Strengthen with all power according to his glorious might. How can we walk the walk and talk the talk? Because God will strengthen us with his power and his might. He will give us what we need in order to do his will to walk in a manner worthy of his calling. He will provide everything that we need. He will make it possible because he is, like the song said, he is all-powerful. Nothing is impossible for him. I like this verse in Ephesians 3 as we're finishing up. It says this, Now to him, this is, this is God, who is able to do far more abundantly Beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. God is able to do more abundantly than we could ever imagine. Nothing is impossible for Him. I want you to understand, guys, that when you got saved and the Holy Spirit came into your life, the Bible tells us the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within you. You don't think God's will for your life is the perfect will? I promise you that it is. You don't think I could, my life can match up with Christ? I can tell you that it can. Because the same power that raised Jesus is living in your hearts today. Christian friend, I, I, I hope that's an encouragement to you. That he has a will for your life. He has a plan. He hasn't, has not hidden it from you. He's told you five times in his word what his will is for you I've told you according to his word how to find specific answers I've told you that we have a calling to live worthy of the Lord and he gives us the strength to do it man I, 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 would, I just want to encourage you guys today with, with this message in essence 
I would encourage every member of this church to go back and, and look at those verses and pray those over this church. I'd even go back and, and ask every member here to go back and look at those verses and find somebody that you know that either comes here or a family member or whatever that you would pray those verses specifically over them. That 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 person that sits next to you, that, that person that sits on the other side of the church, I believe the Holy Spirit will bring somebody to your mind and that you would just pray over them, asking, asking the Father persistently without ceasing that you would just show them your will, Father, that they would just walk in a, in a way that's pleasing to you, uh, uh, worthy of you, Father. And Father, just give them the strength that they need in order to be able to do that. You see, we, we read about this Paul's preaching and praying over that church. He's doing the very same thing to this church. And who is supposed to do that now? If Paul's not, we are. That is our calling to do that. So I would pray that, mom and dad, I would pray that over your kids, those three things. Uh, grandma and grandpa, I'd pray that over your grandkids. What better? How can you pray anything better than that? That your kids and your grandkids will know God's will as they're growing up, will live a life that's worthy of the calling, and they can have all the power and the strength that they need and able to do that because that power lives within them. Mom and Dad, we need to take His Word and stand on it, and we need to use His Word, do His Word as we walk this Christian life, as we begin the invitation time. That's my challenge to you guys today, that you would take what I told you today and you would pray over this church because I can promise you we have an enemy that does not want this church to, to be successful we have an enemy that wants to bring in like it was bringing in in the Colossae church heresy and things that were not biblical in order to divide the church we, we, don't, we say we don't have those problems but we don't want to ever have those problems here and how do we stop it we pray these verses over this church. We pray these verses over our kids and our grandkids. We pray these verses over friends or people that we don't really are friends with. We pray it anyway over them because that's what we do as born again believers. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, invitation time. That's, I guess that's my challenge to you right now to take the message and put flesh to the message. Pray for others that need that encouragement I'll give you a few minutes to pray if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior God's will does not apply to you 